Welcome back to Giddy Up. This is Giddy Up's great game with the Wolf Dan's Richard Irvine, the very very own Richard Irvine, the man behind the Wolf Dance. Hey Rich, the news of the day was that Adam Hieronymus has lost the ride on Storm Boy. James McDonald is booked to ride this cult tomorrow at the trials at Rose Hill and then James arrived Switzerland on Saturday in the Piero Plate and then Ryan Moore and James McDonald will work out who rides who, Switzerland in the slipper or will it be Storm Boy, the colt that is the favourite at the moment. Hippo has done nothing wrong on, on Storm Boy. He has ridden him a treat throughout the early part of his career, but I would imagine he would have been looked after after um, the sale of Storm Boy and it looks like he's picked up the ride on Lady of Conquest who looks tough to beat in a blue diamond. If she wins that that well, um, not Conquest, um, Camelot. Lady of Camelot, um, hopefully she conquests the, or conquers the, the blue diamond, then he'll probably get the ride on her or one of Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott's horses in a, the slipper. So that's the game. That's the way that it all works, Rich. No real surprises there. I can't understand why people get so emotional about it. That's just business. And when, yeah. when you're cool more... And you're a powerhouse like they are in world racing, and you've got access to the two best jockeys in the world, in Ryan Moore and James McDonald. You'd be why, why wouldn't you use them if you can? Yeah, and probably what will happen is that after Gone Slip on the Monday, your producers will be trying to call Hippo because he would have ridden Lady of Camelot to win the Slipper, and we'll all think back to this, and everyone will probably think, oh, it's probably fitting that he rode the Slipper winner. So you never know what can happen, but yeah, I think. You know, he's, uh, he'd be all right with it. And um, it certainly raised his profile a lot. And um, he gets closer to being one of the top jockeys in the world, like J-Mac and um, Ryan Moore, as you say. So, yeah, yeah I'm probably slightly surprised um, that, that, that he's off this quickly. But, uh, yeah, there you go. It's, it's been done. And you don't know what deals Coolmore have with Ryan Moore or James McDonald. So you just don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But I guess at the end of the day that... In a situation like this, Coolmore, they like to use their own jockeys. And when there's a deal mm. like this on the table, then um, I don't think it was a surprise to me that Adam Hieronymus would be replaced by one of Ryan Moore or James McDonald. But um, Hippo's done a great job and he's come back and he gets an opportunity still to win a slipper and he can win a big mm. blue diamond as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's just the way sport is. Um People get different opportunities and then people work work hard to get into um, positions like James McDonald and Ryan Moore are in at the moment where they get the opportunity to ride for the, the biggest stable in the world. Um, mm. And that gives them more opportunities than others because of the situation. Yeah. But they have to get to that situation. So they've worked hard to, to get to that spot. So I say play mm. on and, and um, I hope that um, – yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But Hippo, Hippo's done a great job and he's going to get more opportunities because he's riding for a great stable like Adrian Bott and Gay Waterhouse at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I caught up with Adrian Bott last week. Um, I was at a function. He's always great to chat to. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if it's come out in the press yet, but they're thinking they're going to run Storm Boy in the skyline. Have you heard that? Yeah, and that's not the it. No, that's, that's, that's been talked about, yeah. Yeah, so he'll have yeah. one run before the slipper. Um, and I think this will be Switzerland's, it might be his final race before the slipper as well. So it's going to be a great slipper. I think the two-year-olds are well above average, especially when the Colts are doing mm. what they're doing at the moment. So 
Um, can't wait for the slipper. And the blue diamond's going to be a beauty as well. And it just proves like the jocks these days, no J-Mac this week. And I got an interesting stat delivered to me from one of the, the traders at a corporate bookmaker suggesting that the influence that certain jockeys have on certain jurisdictions. And I was amazed the impact that James McDonald has on Sydney racing, especially like turnover mm. can be down 10% if he's not there, which is an astonishing figure when you think about it, Richie. Yeah. No, that, that really surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that punters are so keen to back him. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, when you're with Wolf Dan boys, do you have, do you have, do you bet, uh, are you more like go down the line of a trainer or you just bet as yeah. uh, on the horse or do the jockeys play a major part? Yeah, they do. But probably what we do, like if, you know, if the market is so keen to back James and Donald, then that probably presents value on other jockeys. So we'll steer away from J-Mac. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what we do, but that's the kind of thing we look for. Like when horses are overbet or particular types of horses with that profile, you know, it might be when J-Mac rides for Walla, he gets his way too overbet in the market. Yeah. And so then what we'll do is we'll go and back, you know, other horses in the race. Um, and it might be only a very small amount of, you know, percentage on turnover you can make. Um, but we're happy to do it. We just keep turning up and doing it each day. And you might go through a run of backing, you know, 10 losers in a row based on that kind of profile, but then you only need to jag a couple of horses at a decent price and you're in profit. So that's more about the way we look at that. Um, we look at it and it's, it's a tougher way to go because you have to have a bit of temerity to keep plowing ahead, even though when it feels like it's never going to turn, but generally speaking it does. And that's sort of what we've always done over, over the years. Yeah, so it sets up opportunities for you to make money because J-Max over bet. Yeah, totally. And we're actually not really trying to back the fastest horse in the race. We're trying to back the profile that, the, that we think the market has mispriced or missed. Um, there is a little bit of, you know, trying to find the fastest horse in the race, but that's that's generally what we're doing. That's what all the, you know, the, the biggest syndicates do. Um, and, you know, try and turn over a lot of money based on that kind of concept. Yeah. And, um, and away you go. So how much would you turn over a day, say, on a Wednesday? Um, oh, well, more, like the King, the King bet's pretty big. Yeah. Um, I mean, all, all of it's combined. I think, what, 40 races? Yeah, probably like three or 400,000. Yeah, maybe. Like the whole, all the boys in the den on a Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, and um, is it just Wednesday, Saturday that you, you, you you play obviously you had your horse yesterday racing suspect. Do you play most days? Yeah, no, that, we're like the dens open seven days a week, and there's, yes. there's people in here betting every day. Yeah, so we don't yeah we don't take a break. Um, there's always someone in here turning over money, which is great. Yeah, and um, that's the best job in the world when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, if you even call it a job. Who's the best horse in the country at the moment? Imperatories goes around in the. Lightning Stakes on Saturday, mm. the Black Caviar Lightning Stakes, but she's got a question marks on her, would you believe, despite her dream spring last time around, after a trial, and I don't even, I, I don't even think a, a track gallop um, set, set everybody alight to think, well, she's, she's going to just dominate the autumn like she did in the spring. Mm. But there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge there, and we need to see her. I wish I win doesn't race very much because they look after him and they want to mm. make sure that he's ready to go for all the big, big prize money races. Think about it. It's fascinating to see what they'll do with him. Um, they've suggested that that might go down the path of the middle distance races instead of the sprint mm. races. But I, I don't see how he can go towards a Doncaster because he's going to get too much weight. 
And then mm. you've got horses like Storm Boy and some of the promising up and comers as well. Mm. Um, Mr. Brightside, and, and of Mr. Brightside is the other one that continues to like. He's he's you love to worry him. He's as kiss. He's consistent as ever. He's as brave as ever. And you know what you're going to get with him. Um, mm. So it's a great debate. It's a good spot racing's in it at the moment. Yeah, no, there's some really nice horses out there. Um, look, Mr. Brightside's the only horse that's come out and done it uh, this this autumn carnival, really. So that's in his favour. Probably lean towards Imperator just because she was so dominant over spring and so impressive. Um, but, this, you know, think about it. Brilliant, brilliant horse. He only just got to the top level towards the end of his preparation, you know, last year. Um, but, yeah, it's he's very, very good. So... Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it, it's this autumn carnival will certainly sort out who is the Australian horse of the year. Um, is, is there any markets available? Have you seen any betting markets no, on? No, yeah. I, I think the horse of the year now. It's great debate, really, because without a fight, would be a dollar fifty, and he probably just needed to win one big race in the autumn, win mm. an Australian Cup, or even go close in Australian Cup to yeah. to win yeah. the honours of horse of the year. And sometimes we forget about the deeds of the spring horses and what they do because mm. obviously the season finishes at the end of July. But when you've got a horse like it without a fight that he dominated a Caulfield Cup and he dominated a Melbourne Cup, like he's awfully hard to beat. And Peritrees yeah. is probably the only horse that could knock him off at the moment. Yeah. And she, she probably just needs to win one or maybe two group ones to, de to defeat him. Um, if Storm Boy can do a triple ground can win the triple crown. That'll be interesting. And I think he's a few lengths off him, Mr. Brightside, but if he can win an Australian cup all-star mile, yeah. um, he's going to be hard to beat. So I think he's about a $2 chance at the moment, you would imagine without a fight, but he's in the box seat. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sort of passed him by, but no, he was really one of the better Melbourne cup wins we've seen this year. And I look, I think, think about it, depending on what he does in the autumn, you know, winning the, um, Winning the Everest like he did, that was very, very impressive. And then he was obviously very impressive earlier in the year, but that's not going to count towards the um, Australian Horse of the Year for this year. So, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's very competitive. Often in years gone by, there's the standout and no one gets close to them. But there's, yeah, as you say, three or four red-hot chances this year. Yeah, there was Animo that just dominated. He was a short price favourite to win the Horse of the Year last season. But, yeah, you're right. It's a, they should be betting on that. And they should be betting like... I know that there's some bookmakers that do it, but I'd love to see a market for that Sydney Jockeys Premiership because Melbourne's nearly... Well, Melbourne, I thought, was all over, but D-Lane has got a suspension and he hasn't had a winner for the last couple of weeks, but he's still got a healthy lead. Mm. And, but he'll be away for a little bit now. He's got to go to Sydney, Adelaide for the carnivals there, and he's probably got some international opportunities as well, D-Lane. And then you've got J-Mac, who's battling another injury at the moment, and... Jason Collett, to his credit, and Nash Rewilla um, continue to ride winners. Nash has just got to stop getting suspended. But I think they add a lot of theatre and interest going forward. Yeah. Wouldn't it be fantastic if Nash could win it? Who you? Yeah, at 49 years of age. Yeah. And i tell yeah. you what, he'd probably nearly be favourite at the moment. I thought, like, I thought Macca, um, with all the opportunities that he would get, would be a short price favourite. But... Now with that injury and the cloud over him at the moment, um, that, that market's probably two fifty Nash, two dollars twenty um, Macca, and then I think he's three dollars, mm. or maybe high two dollars for for Jason Collett 
it keeps on riding mm. winners. How important would it be to J-Mac to win the Premiership? Do you think he cares that much about it? I think I mean, he, he just... does. I think he wants to continue to like get to 10 straight Premierships. And then I would imagine he might go over to Hong Kong eventually. Um, right. But I think that would be his goal, to, to leave a legacy and, and, and smash the records here in, you know, here in Australia. Um, mm. And then see what he can do in the latter, latter stages of his career when he, if he goes to Hong Kong, if he decides to go that way. But... Um, yeah, it'll be, yeah, I, I think it's really important to him. I think you'll see him stay in Sydney for as long as possible and he won't be going overseas this year. I think he'll stay to try and win the premiership. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Your thoughts there? Yeah. Um, it's hard to know. He's, he's, he's sort of all over the world, isn't he? All the time. He seems very focused on riding the best horses across the world. Um, I did a podcast with his wife and sort of said, you know, do you want to follow the path of Zach and, and get out and not come back and, you know, really set yourself up over in Hong Kong or something? And she sort of said, no, that's not really the plan. They're pretty happy in Sydney and stuff. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I don't really know. I'd, I'd love to find out yeah. um, next time we chat with him. Yeah. All right, then we'll take a quick break. It's 10.26. It's news time. This is Giddy Up's Great Game with Richard Irvine from the Wolf Den. Gareth Hall with you. We'll come back with plenty of your questions straight after this. 0499. 736736 to join the conversation. Welcome back to Giddy Up. This is Giddy Up's great game. Gareth Hall and Richard Irvine from the Wolf Den with you. Richie, I don't know if you caught the banner between Mark Sarr and Johnny O'Neill and Giddy Up on the means test the other day, all in a bit of fun. Um, I did see all that, yeah. Yeah, what did you, make, you make of that? Yeah, well, so I don't know either. Personally, are they, are they good mates usually and they're just having a bit of fun well, with it all? Well, I think they're what? mates. I don't know if they're great mates. Oh, I think they're pretty good mates. Um, yeah, so, uh, like, I, I didn't... You'd have to sort of feel me, and I was pretty busy on Saturday night, and I saw Bold Bastille was, was very disappointing. And so John O'Neill wasn't happy with the ride, is yeah, that right? Yeah, he wasn't happy with the ride, and he made that clear there on Monday. And then Mark Sarr is over at um, Super Bowl at the moment, and he got back... Living, living and, the dream. Yeah, living the dream, like only M. Zara can. What a world we live in. And, like, <laughs> he's living the best version of himself um, and living the dream. So hats off to him. And he's a superstar rider. And he said, Johnny needs to go to Specsavers and have a close look at himself. So I, I think it's, it's it. People go, oh, why? Like it's a different opinion from an owner's point of view compared to a form analyst. Um, so, and that's why, and I mentioned this just before, that's why we get him on Giddy Up because you've got Wayne Hawks and Johnny O'Neill, one from mm. an owner's perspective and one from a trainer's perspective. And their, their opinions and obviously they're self-interest in it, of course, but their opinions are going to be going to be different than say the punters or the foreman uh, analysis. Um, so. And what um, was John's criticism of? of oh, the he ride? said he Did went it? too quick. He said he went right. too quick. Um, but it's, um, I think, I think they weren't expecting Blake Shin to kick up. They thought they could have too much pace, go to the front, dictate terms and mm. give a good kick. But um, she had that setback and, she she wasn't fit enough to do what she did there on Saturday, so that was the end of the story. Um, and and you, what's the wash up with Bold Bastille? Because well, she, she they, was, they said she pulled up lame, and then this is mm. the other interesting perspective about all this that the punters don't get to see. And Johnny makes a point here, and he would know because he owns the horse, all right. And we don't have the mm. privilege to have this insight um, usually, but. So every time a horse runs bad, or most of the time anyway, they say it pulls up lame. Um, 
And he, the horse said, the, the steward's report said that she pulled up lame, but then from Johnny's report to us on Monday that the, she's trotted up perfectly and she right. just had a tough run. And sometimes yeah. they do have tough runs and they finish out the back and, and it can be half a second or second when they go a length too quick up front that couldn't see them drop out. And that's mm. the, that's the difference between winning or losing or being in the finish or not at the end of the day. Mm. And will they push on the blue diamond? Yeah, they will pull. I, I might play the, um, nah, they'll push on to the, if, if she's okay, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's other options for her as well. So that'll be yeah, interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah. But I think sometimes racing, we can have a little bit of fun. Sometimes we do take ourselves a little too serious. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens after that. Um, favorite athlete to punt on. Now, I was watching Mahomes the other day and everyone was telling me, like, you just back Mahomes when it comes to these big matches. He wins another Super Bowl. He, he was probably a little bit quiet in the early part of that. I'm no NFL expert. In the early part of the match, um, and the 49ers were well on top, but then at the end of the game, clutch, he just gets the job done. Yeah, he's incredible. He's just so clutch. And, you know, the so what, I think the score was roughly like 19-16. It was a minute 45 to go. And, you know, in many situations in any kind of sport, when there's that little time left on the clock, the team that's just in front should be able to close it off. But there wasn't even any kind of talk that the game was even remotely close to over. And I think there was this kind of resignation from everyone, the commentators, the crowd, and everybody that was in the pub that I was watching, that like Mahomes at least would get them down the field and get them at least that, you know, the field goal to take it to overtime. Yeah. I've never seen someone so clutch as him. He's just incredible. Yeah. So who's your favorite athlete? Let us know. Four double nine seven three six seven three six to punt on. Um, who's the one that never lets you down? Is it LeBron during a playoff series? Is it Steph Curry in the NBA? Um, it could be Dustin Martin in his heyday when he was dominating for the Richmond Football Club. Um, Nathan Cleary comes to mind now. He rarely makes a mistake, especially in finals football for the Penrith Panthers. Yeah, we did um, he did. He won the grand final for him, basically, didn't he? Yeah. And then he said he took it, took it on his shoulders pretty much. He had a bit of help. There's some very, very good players around him that helped him do it, but... Yeah, there's there, there's some AFL athletes that you can trust, um, but I think Mahomes is definitely at the top of the list there. Knowing that if you just if you don't know what you're doing, just just back Mahomes, <laughs> and usually yeah. he'll he'll come out on top. Um, from a from a sports betting point of view, do you think like there was a million people watching the NFL there in Australia, and that's not counting KO. That was just on Channel Seven and Seven Plus. How mm. big do you think this game will get, especially in this country? Yes. Yeah, I think I think it's growing pretty quickly. Um, interesting. There's a few stories during the week saying that that might be to do with the, you know the, the growth of sports betting in Australia, um, and, and I hope that that is the case because you know I love betting and um, it's you know sports betting growing in Australia. That's great for horse racing as well because it helps the overall game. I think it's on at a very favourable time. Like I think anyone who's lucky enough to be able to chill out on a Monday and watch NFL for most of the day. It's, it's a pretty good thing to do. A lot of people in our industry do that because a lot of us are busy over the weekends and people often have a day off on Monday. Um, and it's just such a great product. They put it together so well. Watching sport these days is so amazing on these TVs that we've yeah. got. They're high definition. You know, they, they put so much effort in the broadcast. So I think it'll continue to grow and grow. Um, but I hope, obviously, the Australian football codes can continue to 
look at them, just look what the NFL does and, and, um, and continue to grow. Of course, the NRL is starting in Vegas in a couple of weeks' time, which will be brilliant. That'll be exciting. Do you think it will be exciting in Las Vegas? Will you be going there? Definitely not. I retired from Vegas when I got married, so yes. I won't be going back. No. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be incredible. Um, weekend over there i actually was in i was at the sdn studio in north sydney and I, the american consulate's there and i walked past and there was a massive queue of people standing outside the american consulate wearing suits and you, you know you can tell people are wearing suits and they don't really ever wear them it just doesn't look right um so i think it's a, probably a lot of scallywags who've been in, in a bit of trouble over the years and, and want to go over to um to america for the super bowl but they've got to get their visas approved by the u.s because they're pretty oh, strict okay. on visas over there it's quite couple, funny. There's a couple of NRL players that are struggling, I think, at the moment. Well, that was sort of what I was saying. They mostly were NRL players, but you know, I thought I'd probably leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can mention names. Um, I think they've been in the paper anyway. The great Jimmy's yeah, yeah, man's yeah, yeah, been yeah. in trouble, so um, he's trying to get a he's trying to get a, a visa for Las Vegas. But um, it'll be interesting to see first of all how many people actually go to the matches. And yeah, I think they're struggling to sell them sell them out, but. You know, I mean, it was never, it's never really about the crowd they get there. I mean, no, it's growing the game, but it's a yeah. difficult market to really try and break into. Yeah, super difficult. And and is it actually been articulated that it's it's a it's about betting, like they want to try and, or is that just kind of a rumor? Um, no, I think that's it. I think that Peter Vland is a smart working out different revenue streams for the game, and sports betting hmm. will play a major part. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I think Vegas is a great place to go and play the game. I don't know if it'll work or not, but I, you've got to try it, don't you? I think. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. And that, and that stadium, I mean, just playing in that stadium would be incredible. Yeah. Um, um, there's, there's a few nominations coming through from favourite athletes to punt on that, you can, that don't let you down. There's some left-field ones I need to look up and do a little bit of research on. <laughs> Djokovic is one. He never yeah. lets you down. Rafa Nadal yep. on clay. Yeah, um, he's a moral for a multi. He's yeah. probably nearly the best one, isn't he? Um, yeah. Rafa Nadal on clay in his day. Um, a Russian badminton superstar in uh, Kotsikaya or something like that. Um, I'll have to Google <laughs> that one to see if that's yeah, you got right. me there. Yeah. yeah. Um, who else have we got? Um, I've got to go. There's a few names there. I don't know if people are taking the PIWS here. Um, <laughs> another one for Rafa Nadal. I think tennis is a little bit different to other sports that you can, I suppose in the, in recent history, um, in this generation, we've had three players that have completely dominated the game and Djokovic, Federer and Nadal, and they've been pretty sure bets um, when they're being playing anyway, especially early in tournaments. So there's a few nominations coming through there. It's 10.38, don't go anywhere. This is Giddy Up's great game. Richard Irvine, Gareth Hall with you on this Wednesday morning. Back with plenty more. Wednesday morning, 10.44 in at the East. It's uh, 7.44 in WA, 9.44, of course, in Queensland, 12.44 in New Zealand at the moment. And uh, the great Richie Irvine, who's joining us from the Wolf Den on this Wednesday morning. Richie, what are you making favourite today at Wolf Den? Do you like the cards? It's interesting, isn't it, these midweek meetings with so much night racing happening at the moment. 
these meetings can be the Wednesday meetings just aren't the same really in the summer. Yeah, no, um, you've actually caught, caught me off guard. I, I haven't got a set for you, but I can get it because the set last week wasn't yes, too bad. Yes, that was sensational, Richie. Yeah, well, it was, I think it was two, two from three, um, and one of the, the longer price one didn't win. But I might have to come back to you now, on, I'll on get those the, ones. I'll get them in. I'll get them in just a moment. So I, I've got a few text messages coming through. The turf matter. That was fantastic. Um, I did one with John Massara way back that I really enjoyed doing. We're going to drop one on Friday morning. So I don't know if anyone knows this, but on Friday, if Colin Hayes was still alive, he would be turning 100. Yes. Um, I, I discovered that when I was putting together that, the podcast on Lindsay Park that I'm doing, or I guess you call it almost a vlog. Um, so I thought as a bit of a tribute to that, I'm going to publish that on Friday, 7 a.m., which would be Colin Hayes' 100th birthday. Great tribute to the legacy that he's left. Um, and then I will put the Sam Kavanaugh one up mid next week. And yeah, it's, um, you know, I think it's a storyteller's job is to make people feel something. And I think everyone who watches that podcast when we drop it will feel something. Um, it's, he's very entertaining too, and he's a great horseman. He knows a lot about a lot about thoroughbreds, and it was really good. It was part of it where we just sat down and chatted actually in the in the auditorium, the sale auditorium in Inglis, and then we wandered around. Um, sales and he talks about the different horses that he liked and yeah. we've got some footage of the, the horses that he was lucky enough to buy and stuff. So, yeah, I, I, we're always trying to provide insight. I think, you know, the insight that you can get from someone who's trying to buy champion horses at sales is probably not something that we get to see a lot of. Um, so that's why I was keen to do it. Um, I found one that the Den's really keen. Randwick race three, yes. number four. Um, probably about $2.60. Couple of the boys in the den are very good judges. Are very keen on these. Okay, I think that's the horse. I'm just having a look at it now at Randwick Race Three, horse number four. Yep, that's Trice. Mickey Gannon's keen on it. We had Johnny Sargent on today. They'll go straight to the front and try and lead them a merry dance. So that could be our play. Race Three, number four, there at Randwick on the Kensington track. And a bit of a price as well. You know, two fifty yep. is not too bad. And there was one um, in Race Five. We got one. Um, Ponda Lowy, it's into dollar eighty-five now, but this is probably the most exciting horse at Ballarat today. Race five, horse number six, but um, it's been heavily supported this morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a. Uh, I'll give it a multi as well. Yes. Um, so we're going to go to Doomben Race two, number six. It's called Bucks Fizz, and then we'll put it into um, Randwick Race six, number seven, Balkans. Um, probably, you know, might get about $5 for that multi. So Balkans is at um, Randwick. What number is that again? Race race six, number seven. Yeah. And what was it, Dooman? We're going to go to race two, number six, Bucks Fizz. Race two, number six. Love it. A few other nominations coming through for athletes. Lance Franklin, who's your favourite athlete to yeah. bet on? Lance Franklin from 2008, 2016. Gareth Leet to fame is just moral every time he steps out on a harness racing track. He's the next, like, he's the big superstar in the sport of harness racing, Rich. He won again on Saturday night in the Cranbourne Pacing Cup. He'll go mm. to a Newcastle mile in a couple of weeks' time, and he looks awfully hard to beat in a Miracle Mile. The Miracle Mile will be the toughest race for him to win, uh, I think, from a grand circuit point of view, because if he doesn't draw well, it's difficult to win from a bad draw in a Miracle Mile. Um, mm. but yeah, he's something else, I think. Yeah. And of course we've got the, um, the huge, huge two Saturday nights of racing in the Meadows as well. Yeah. We've got, ex- yeah, we've got explicit. who was a superstar in the Tem Lee. 
Mm. He looks like he might be the next big thing in Greyhound Racing. He gave Jason Thompson his fifth time lead there the other day. Mm. In fact, Jason Thompson, I've never seen a trainer that will dominate. Like He's got the best kennel of Greyhounds, especially from a sprinting point of view that I can recall for probably ever, really, in my time following Greyhound Racing. Um, mm. There's a chance if the breaks go his way, he could have three or four in a, in a Group 1 Australian Cup final. It's quite it extraordinary. Yeah. And he continues, and I, yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm only starting to sort of follow Greyhound Racing a bit bit more closely, which I'm really enjoying. But they seem to say that Explicit's one right out of the box, very young. I think it's at 11 from 13 or something now. And, um, yeah, they don't, they don't know how, how high its limit is, so that's exciting. No, he continues to get the job done. Hey, um, so um, we just recapped your best bets, mate. We'll, we'll do it all again next week. We've got Hong Kong tomorrow night. So Tommy Wood will join us tomorrow for Happy Valley because they only had racing on Monday night there with the Chinese New Year on um, earlier on the week. So they've pushed their, their midweek meeting to a Thursday night. Just before we let you go, Imperatrice, do you think she wins the Lightning Stakes or are you taking her on? Because Definitely she wins, yeah. No, she'll – I mean, my heart says, yeah, she'll win. Don't, don't listen to all the noise. Um, and I think that we'll probably – all the boys in the end will be on her because she'll stack up in terms of the ratings and yeah. and, and how the race looks. And, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. It's um, Yeah, the racing is just so good for the next, you know, basically two months. Um, yeah, I can't wait for it. And, yeah, I think she wins. Um, I hope she does. Um, interesting in secret. Because you did call the new Winks, didn't she? All the next black Well, no, well, 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 well. No, well, I, I did clearly say that if she was to go through this year, un, you know, Lot dominate, of, basically yes. undefeated, and, but, I mean, it's like, that's not really saying anything particularly outlandish. I mean, it, it, no. if she really wants to win, say, say she races seven or eight times, she won all of them. Well, of course, she'd get up to that kind of level. Yeah. Um, but there's a long, long, long way to go. Jeez, um, I, I love you. You're, you're fitted into this family beautifully with those big opinions and big calls, <laughs> Richie boy. The thing, I just, the final thing on Imperage is just the way that she just was so dominant. That's what I really like yeah. to see. You don't see that happen that much. And, yeah, in the, in the champion sprint, you know, she had to work very hard to, to get there. But those, those good horses do. That's why we loved Winks and Black Caviar, because they just continually scrapped and fought. And, you know, in terms of the marathon that it is to try and become a champion, a, a genuine champion like Winks and Black Caviar, you know, I completely acknowledge Imperatures run about two kilometres of the 42 kilometres you've got to run. But at least we've got, you know, a marathon runner. So let's, let's see what happens. No, it's exciting times, mate. Great work. We'll catch up with you next week. Good luck on the punt today and going forward. It's another terrific day of racing in Sydney and Melbourne and the carnival is well and truly in full swing. And it's going to be some six or seven weeks. In fact, it's, I think we got, um, last Saturday was the first of 17 straight weeks of group one racing with, um, the ending with the, the Stradbroke handicap. All right, mate, we'll catch up with you next week.